episode 100. 100, 100, 100. Welcome to episode 100 of TLC Tech Learn Coffee. This is the Edumatch Podcast Network, bringing you amazing educators sharing their love of learning one show at a time. The Edumatch Podcast Network is proud to support this show and many others. Find out more at edumatchpn.com. The ideas and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely of the individual podcaster. This is TLC Ninja, a podcast for teachers by teachers about classroom innovation. So once again, welcome to TLC Tech Learn Coffee, a proud member of the EduMatch Podcast Network. I am Lisa Nowakowski, a fifth grade teacher in South Monterey County. And I am Nancy Minicozzi, an instructional technology coach in Beverly Hills, California. And we have a special format for this week's episode. So if you like the 15-minute format, you can break this episode into chunks and listen that way. We promise we won't be offended. In fact, we won't even know. No, we won't. But this week, it is our pleasure to bring you nine fabulous guests who are helping us to celebrate our 100th episode, sharing their words of wisdom with us, and by extension, all of you. No time for coffee facts today. Let's get right to the guests. And without further ado, we'd like to welcome our first guest, Martin Cisneros, the Tech Profe. So thank you, Martin, um, for helping us to celebrate our 100th episode. Can you briefly tell us who you are, what you do, and what your favorite coffee drink is? So first of all, congratulations on the 100. Woo! Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember when I first started hearing you guys, and I'm like, oh, this is cool. Oh, I need this. And back in those wonderful days, I had a long commute. Uh, before what we're going through now. Uh, and my commute is usually an hour and a half. For the past 20 years, I've been uh, uh, some type of tech TOSA, ed tech TOSA. I tell folks I got my first ed tech TOSA job in 1999. So just filter that for a bit, right? Uh, and uh, you named it. I've, I've taught it. Um, well, I shouldn't say that. I always tell folks that the grades I haven't taught are first and second grade, seventh grade, 10th and 11th. I've taught everything else got my admin credential. I did administration for two years and I said, thank you, but no thank you. You can keep that. Um, and, but I really found myself working at a district as an as an ed tech coordinator um, and then went to become the, the tech uh, director for a year or so. And then I jumped on over to county office work. So started with CTAP, the California Technology Assistance Project for a few years. Um, and then that um, wonderful program sunsetted, and then we developed something else at the Santa Clara County Office of Ed. From there, I went over to Santa Cruz and Monterey County Office of Ed, San Benito County Office of Ed as well. Came back on 2013 to Santa Clara to start up a new group, and I was there for the past seven years. And just three months ago, I decided that I had kicked many buckets of what I wanted to do in that wonderful position. Um, and then I went back down to a district. Now I'm currently the director of technology for the Berryessa Union School District. That's amazing. Wow. You have such a great history. Yeah. And along the way, I've taught at a few universities as well, uh, both uh, face-to-face and online. Um, and on my free time, I do consulting as well. <laughs> Incredible. 
Lots of energy. And we'll be sure to share, be sure to check the show notes and you'll see how Martin has all that energy. He sent us a picture of his morning fuel that we're going to be sharing in the show notes. So thank you so much. So Martin, I know that uh, Lisa and I are missing the face-to-face interaction we would have gotten at the Q conference. And of course, all the stickers we're missing out on. Um, But going virtual has had its own rewards for you. What is the best part about Q's online format this year? One thing I got to say, I, I, you know, um, here's the other thing, right? I've been going to Q since 1993. 1993 was my very first Q. Started presenting in Q since 1999. And um, last year, we got together with with a few other podcasters and just, you know, friends that I've developed over the years. And we went around the the, the whole quad and we asked, how many sessions did you attend? And I think we were a group of 20. Out of that group of 20, uh, the average was one or a half of the session because we were all busy presenting and doing everything else. So now, um, once again, you know, I find myself in a different position. I haven't seen them all, but here's the great thing about this year is if I want to, I can see all of the sessions now, right? Because those are up, those are recorded, so I can go back and see some of that awesome sauce. Not only that, but I can directly now share um, all these wonderful presentations to my staff at my school district and share, you know, of course, through social media as well. So, um, and 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 I, I've enjoyed the ones I've seen so far. Um, you know, Claudia Savala is a good friend of mine, and, you know, I miss seeing him face-to-face, but, you know, I know he's a rock star when it comes to doing this stuff online. You know, Ben Cogswell is, you know, great friend of mine as well. And, you know, seeing him just, you know, knock it out of the park and bringing this innovation to this new type of learning that that, that we are currently in. Um, you know, most of us are not calling it, you know, uh, distance learning anymore because some of it, some of us are um, mandated to do it. Other of us are not. So, you know, I'm, I'm calling it digital enrichment. Um, that's the atmosphere I'm in at the moment. Um and you know it, it, it's really um, it's really a blessing I think to have a professional learning network or as I like to call you guys my PLF my personal learning familia, right? Um, and when when I think about that is um, this is what we've been waiting for, right? I mean the reality is we've been talking forever. It's like oh just wait you know we need a re up on education we need a blah blah blah. And for some of us who've been doing this for a minute, it's like you know how can we get the other people on board? Um, as, as, you know, yes, we're, we, we are in some interesting times, but now it's getting us to bring that conversation up to light. Um, you know, I'm a huge advocate for equity with, with all of our kids. You know, my focus for the longest time has been how to use technology with our English language learners and special ed, you know, folks as well. And now, you know, that's now at the forefront of everyone's list. Um, and, and you know, like ever before, I'm reaching out to friends. Friends are reaching out to me because you know everyone has their own specific thing of how they do it. But I am so blessed that we can do this, you know, and and push this information out to people who need it. Because you know, I'm getting calls from friends who are not in leadership. They're you know they're in the classroom and they're like, "Can you come over and help?" And I go, "As much as I would love to, you know, I have my district to you know that needs me at the moment." Um, so consulting as at a whole, unless you want to speak to me for free on Zoom on the evenings when I get home, um, but, you know, but not now more than ever, you know, my my hours went from working, you know, um, the average was, you know, nine to 10 hours to 12 to 14 hour days. 
and I get the weekends really just to connect with people and, and, and reflect, take a step back. But overall, when, when I think about Q, Q has also curated, you know, some of the very top folks um, and, and allowed them to, to come on board this new platform. Uh, so a huge shout out to, you know, Carippo, um, Pam Hernandez and, and the team at Q because uh, they were able to flip this in, you know, in less than a week. Um, <laughs> I'm currently going through, a, you know, a, a few thousand Chromebook deployment at my own district. And when I think about what they have been capable of doing in a short amount of time is, is nothing less than incredible. So um, shout out to all the Q folks. And um, yeah, so, you know, getting back to this, getting back to what, what this has meant, this now has meant that um, even some of the material, um, I'm going to start a, um, a live webinar session for tech support for parents starting tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow's Monday. <laughs> uh, because, um, you know, that's something else. You know, I started, you know, my, my professional learning series for my own staff, even though it's not mandated, but I knew we had to get a heads up. And it was a way to get the ball rolling. Um, and as probably you guys are all aware, you know, as soon as this thing hit, everyone and their mom had their top 10 websites that they wanted to use and so forth. And what I can tell you as now sitting on this side of, of, of the table as an IT slash ed tech director, I'm telling my folks, we let's slow down, but let's concentrate on just the main components. Like how are we going to connect with our students on a daily basis? How are we going to manage this? And I'm not talking about my rock stars here. I'm talking about my teachers who are like, oh, now this is real. Now we really have to go online. And before, you know, the excuse was, well, our, our students don't have tech at home and um, we're trying to solve that problem, you know, this week, uh, working with vendors to make sure they have connection at home. And now the, the component comes to, well, how, how, do you do, how does this look like? And what's my part on it? So I always tell folks, and it's my current motto, is whatever you plan for the week, cut that puppy in half. And if you're really talented, cut that in half, and that's what you do for the first two weeks. Um, because this is, this is going to be a huge shift for all of us. I, you know, it doesn't, if you're in education, this is going to be a huge shift. I have a 24 year old, you know, who this, this was his senior year. This is his senior year, you know, and as a parent, I'm kind of teary eyed cause I'm not going to get to experience, you know, him walking and, um, going through that ceremony and stuff. And as an educator myself, it's like, wow, this is what we built for, right? This is what we've done. Um, but that's, you know, very small compared to what other families are going through. Um, I have a special needs child, you know, and when I heard that he was coming home, um, but uh, my job is still considered somewhat essential because we have to, you know, continue doing this for our district. Uh, my wife is a director of nursing at um, Stanford and she's now on call and she's off for three days, three to four days and comes back home. So that leaves my little guy with his older sister which we are thankful for, but, you know, it's manageable, right? I leave her with stuff. He has, you know, things that he can do when, when I'm gone and they're educational. But, you know, when I think about my staff, I, I think about, you know, uh, our teachers, not only is it a new realm for them and some of them who have never gone into this, you know, digital enrichment now have to worry about their own family at home. Plus they have to learn all these different things. So, you know, I always tell people, like, oh, remember your first year of teaching and how well that went with learning everything at one time, right? So I go, what do we learn from, from our first year of teaching? We learn to slow down and choose one thing to focus on. Guess what? We're all freshmen again. 
I don't care what position you are. We're all freshmen again, because this is all brand spanking new. And for, even for those of us who have been on here for, for quite a minute, this is brand new. So the way digital coaching looks, it's now completely different. Teaching, completely different. For administrators, that's completely different, right? Um, you know, for, for district and county office leadership, it looks completely different. So these are different times. And I'm, I'm the first one to tell folks is give everybody some slack. Don't demand stuff. Let's just breathe for a moment. Let's just breathe. We have time. <laughs> you know, we always talked about we didn't have time. We have time. It's okay. Let's take care of our own. Let's take care of, take care of yourself first, right? So I, I love when you guys, you know, talk about, you know, what, 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 what's your, your coffee drink. And I'm calling, um, you know, my morning fuel um, is, is four sigmatic. If you have, if you haven't upgraded your coffee game, today is the day. You know, like the rest of us, I'm trying to keep sane, and 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 in our new normal. And at the same time, I have to be mindful of everyone around me and how do I help them? Because some of us wear this new stress and anxiety really, really well, and some of us, you can automatically see that things are not. Um, good as usual. And uh, those are the people that I worry about. And like I said, it's everywhere. Um, it's, 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 um, and it's going to get more interesting. You know, we, we're, 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 we're going to, we're coming down our, what I like to call our honeymoon phase, right? Cause the first week was like, yay, we're off of school. Right. People are sending me pictures, you know, they're fine. And it's funny to watch people who don't normally hike. Right. You get to see those wonderful people and like, hmm, clogs. Okay. Ah, <laughs> Interesting, right? You know, people who normally, and this is the other funny thing I always think about, right? Especially kids who are normally on their couch with whatever gadget on board. They never went out. Now they want to be outside. Um, but it's interesting to watch people and what their new normal is. And like I said, you know, the first two weeks is, is the honeymoon phase. And we're now going to reach our third week, which is going to be really, really interesting of how, you know, we connect with one another. So teachers who have been like, oh, you know, we're coming back. I don't need to do this thing digitally. We're going to be fine. I don't need to learn anything new. Now are getting the parents is like, okay, so when does our class start? And how are we going to, con- how are you going to connect with my student? Yeah, right. we're finding the same thing in our district as well with, you know, I'm, I've been calling them the tech hesitant folks and, um, you know, they're, they've done a great job uh, across the board. Just everybody I think is just, you know, jumped in and they're giving it a go. So they're giving it a great college try. So thank you so much, Martine, for joining us um, today. This was excellent. We totally appreciate it. And this was super fun to chat with you. No, thank you. Thank you. And once again, congratulations, because I know this is no small feat. Have fun, folks. And thank you so much. And congratulations to both of you once again. Thank you. Now we'd like to welcome Rebecca Remkowitz. Thank you for helping us celebrate our 100th episode. Please tell us briefly who you are, what you do, and what your favorite coffee drink is. I am Rebecca Remkowitz. I am an educator and blogger in California's Central Valley. And I also have the EdTech Family podcast that I run with my two kids. And uh, my favorite coffee, I even made sure that I made myself a fresh cup just before coming on, is uh, when we were in France, our flat had a Nespresso machine, and I got completely hooked on, on the Nespresso there, 
and came home and ordered a machine for my my house. And a fun fact, the Nespresso little pods are recyclable, which I think is especially rad. Oh, that's awesome. I did not know that. Very cool. Thank you. What is the best part for you about the online format Q is using this year? The best part for me is that I can actually go back and watch sessions. Uh, Unfortunately, under current circumstances, I am having a lot of trouble watching sessions in real, excuse me, in real time. And, and that's been difficult, but with the sessions being recorded, I can go back and I, cause I, I have a whole schedule that I mapped out so I can go back and I can watch the sessions that, that I've missed. Oh, that's, that's great. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. And you can be in two places at once, I guess. Mm-hmm. So you can see two concurrent sessions. So tell us, you um, when you asked to come on, or when we invited you to come on, um, you said that you wanted to talk about lessons learned through traveling, and I also love traveling. So tell us, what lessons have you learned through traveling? So there are a couple of things here that that I was thinking of as as we talked about this. I I mentioned earlier our our podcast that my kids and I have, and we end each episode by reminding people to make each day an edu-awesome adventure. And so a lot of our travels and adventures become the basis for things that we talk about on our podcast. But what I really like to do is create lessons uh, based on some of these experiences. And, And you could do it at home lessons or or teachers can use them for for classroom lessons and um the example that i worked on for for talking with you is is travel can be a great foundation for budgeting lessons so um we we just went to france earlier this year and while we were there um we had to carefully construct a budget and I included my two kids every step of the way. So we traveled in February rather than June because traveling outside of peak season is much more affordable and we, we needed, we needed it to be affordable. And we started our budget two years in advance and we talked about airfare, where we would where we were going to stay, how we were going to plan our meals. And there were six of us total traveling together. And so we opted for the Airbnb for, for the week and we opted to cook meals. We cooked one or two meals every day in our flat. And we got the Navigo pass for in Paris that helped not just be more budget uh, pocketbook friendly but also helped with making uh, taking some time you know um, maximizing our time sorry <laughs> I had this all figured out anyway and oh, then good. I don't had, worry about it <laughs> I had the kids plan their own souvenir budgets so they had to figure out what they wanted to spend on souvenirs. And the best part that I saw out of this 
that I'm really excited to share is that not only did they each get something for themselves, but they each bought a little something for their classmates and they came back with money left over. And so I thought they did, they, they did it right. And it, it was a valuable lesson for them. And, and then it's, like I said, it's, this is the kind of uh, budget lesson that you can do in the classroom. That's a lot of fun. That's, and that's awesome. And really you can adapt it for any age. How old are your children? Uh, my son is about to turn 13 and my daughter is about to turn 10. So when you started this two years ago, they were eight and 11. You're never too young to start learning about things like that. And really, um, my high school just added a financial literacy component for requirement for graduation. And so something like this can really make it be a real life, authentic experience. Right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I have, I have a friend who is a certified financial planner, runs a podcast. She's been advocating for financial literacy in classrooms. And so having her in my ear all these years has helped me look at ways to incorporate some financial literacy into my middle school teaching. And I, I, kids need, need to know how, how to plan a budget and, and Right. And they, and they don't really need to know any more about balancing a checkbook perhaps, but right. um, they do need to know how to know if they're going over budget and all, all those kinds of things. And I love the budgeting example, but I'm sure there are many more. You could look at the history of where you're going or maybe use it as a, a writing prompt for traveling. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. So that's really wonderful. Anything else you'd like to share before we sign off? Um, no, that's I, I, I'm excited to share anything about our, our travels, but especially about watching the kids learn these lessons and, and then apply them in, in how they are planning themselves. Well, thank you so much for being on. And we do have your website, so we'll be uh, sharing that in our show notes and we look forward to connecting with you again. So thank you so much for being a guest today. Thank you. Thank you. Our next guest is David Platt. Hi, David. How are you? I am doing well this Sunday morning. Thank you. Going to be going to church in just a little bit in our pajamas and laying on the couch. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for agreeing to join us for our 100th episode celebration. We're so excited to have you on. So please tell us briefly who you are, what you do, and what your favorite coffee drink is. All right. Well, uh, hi, everybody. I'm David Platt. Um, I was an 18-year uh, classroom teacher at Covina Valley Unified. I taught German and computer science along with web development and a whole other slew of things, and was also a teacher technology support. And then last year, I got a, a job offer with Paramount Unified as their, uh, in, for Paramount High School, which is the largest high school in California, uh, to be their technology TOSA and testing coordinator. So I have, uh, I have uh, many roles to fill. Many hats on your head, yes. Yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> 
So what is the best part for you about the online format Q is using this year? Well, um, usually when I am at Q, I am doing a lot of things for my affiliate and just trying to be a, a, a big support for a lot of people and also for the uh, Mother Q organization. So I am busy running around the whole time and I'm really building into relationships with people, which is um, what my, my role has really transitioned to the last few years. And I love that. However, I don't get to see many sessions. Um, and I don't get to participate in sessions really very much. I maybe get like maybe one, maybe two sessions during the whole conference. And while this time now I can see a lot more sessions, participate more. And now that they're being recorded and then uploaded, I can go back and see even more sessions. So I get opportunity to, uh, really to, to, to learn a little bit more. Um, though I do really miss that, uh, the, the relationship building. Yeah, I think. I think we all feel the same. So you said you work for the um, large or you work at rather the largest high school in California. So, and your job is providing training, which I'm sure has changed in the past couple of weeks. Um, How are you providing training for such a large and and diverse staff? Well, uh, when I, when I uh, jumped into that role, I wasn't quite sure where, where everybody was at. Um, uh, as a district, they, they use Schoology for doing a lot of um, posting of assignments and then for, for grading and whatnot. But then um, there, is, uh, there are a lot of teachers who don't necessarily use um, a lot of online tools or necessary, um, um, I would say, maybe more uh, innovative pedagogical approaches uh, to, to learning. So um, when I stepped in, I, I would, was immediately jumping into using things like Google Drive and OneDrive and doing cloud computing. And a lot of people are like, whoa, 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 what are you doing here? We're, we're not, you don't, you're not emailing the document to us. <laughs> I know, right? I said, oh, no, I'm not going to email the document. We are doing things, everything on the cloud here. It, it, you can edit this document. It is, uh, it is completely okay. And um, I, I was trying to just get people, some people used to the idea of doing everything on the cloud. Please do not email me a document. We're not all going to just email documents all over the place. Let's work on one document at the same time and build into that document. And that's that's been a challenge, I know, for uh, many teachers and mm-hmm. and tectosis. Are you providing online sessions now for for them, or are you just kind of? I I assume you're out of school, like the rest of us. We are out of school. We are out of school um, as of what was that 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 date the the eleventh or whatever that Friday was. Thirteenth. Um, yeah, it was Friday the thirteenth. Thank you. It was uh, it was that that Black Friday, and. Uh, we were out initially for two weeks, and then they said, okay, we're extending it till May 5th um, with a potential to extend it far, further. So um, when I first started, I, I approached uh, doing um, – I was doing a lot of one-on-one support and, and running all over the place, working with different teachers and being able to give them some one-on-one. But I was also doing uh, weekly – I would do weekly webinars. And I would do those so that people could do asynchronous learning. They could do it when they wanted, when they needed. So when this all happened, I immediately moved into, okay, well, I'm going to do two things. I'm going to do um, uh, daily office hours 
so people could just jump in and out if they had questions on anything and just work with them um, and support them. And also so that we could just like see each other because that's a very important component of when you're when you're apart, you can actually like see somebody that you know and be able to talk to them. Uh, and also uh, do a lot of webinars, which people could also jump into. And um, also that people could get, uh, they could listen to it at, on their own pace. So um, I really approach a lot of this, uh, a lot of the things that I do with uh, asynchronous, um, with an asynchronous mode. And then people can uh, learn when they have time or when they need to. And I really focus on keeping things simple. Instead of like, hey, there's this tool, this tool, this tool, this tool, this tool, that can just be overwhelming where we might have a lot of teachers that just aren't ready to do that. So I approach things more with, a ped- uh, with pedagogy in mind. So I'm like, okay, let's look at hyperdocs. Let's look at the five E's. Let's look at some edge protocols and make it simple for our teachers to be able to go through and create something that is an engaging lesson for students that they can do um, in a distance learning model. And I think that's really key, isn't it? Is let's look at the pedagogy first and not look at uh, the list of tools. Exactly, exactly. And because that, that could just be uh, overwhelming for, for almost anybody. But, you know, you know, people like us, we love, we love tools. And then we start like playing with them and making something innovative. But teachers who aren't used to doing that, well, that, that's, that's just going to be too much flash. And then I have to click on this. I have to learn this. I, I can't do this. So taking things simple and say, hey, look, for day one, I went through and I said, here, let's go to HyperDocs. And we're going to do just the simplest HyperDoc, um, explore, uh, explain, apply. All right. And then we just did that. And I, I would go on and use a couple key tools like Edpuzzle um, or Padlet or Pear Deck and say, okay, now in using this model, where can we put these things and how can we make our lessons where we can get draw students in, then we need to be able to um, explain the lesson and the concepts and then have them be able to produce their own work. How can we do that with this basic model? And, and that's really key. And we'll put a link to the Explore, Explain, Apply template in the uh, show notes. So thank you so much, David, for coming on. Any final thoughts? Um, everybody, please keep uh, healthy. Please keep safe. Remember, schedule is important. We need to have a routine, but also stay connected to to people that you care about. All right, that's that's important. And try to get a daily walk in at least. Great advice. Well, thank you so much for being on to celebrate with us for our 100th episode. Still can't get over that. Um, and I look forward to talking to you soon, maybe in person. Thank you so much for for extending this opportunity. I appreciate it. Now we'd like to welcome another teacher supporting teachers, Tim Costello. Thank you, Tim, for helping us to celebrate our 100th episode. Woohoo! Um, tell us briefly who you are, what you do, Absolutely. and what your favorite coffee drink is. Um, let's start with the easiest. Favorite coffee drink is probably cinnamon dolce latte at Starbucks. Uh, but if I've got a pizza available, I'll go to Pete's instead. That's just me. Um, my name's Tim Costello. I actually teach fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. No, it's not a combo. I teach all three separately. Um, I have two other co-teachers. So one, I usually do ELA and social studies. This year, I, I switched over to math. 
And then uh, one of my partners does science and the other one, she's normally the math teacher, but she took over ELA and uh, social studies this year because she's working on her master's and her teaching credential all in one. So we kind of flip-flopped content areas. I am not too far from Lisa, about an hour. I'm 45 minutes south of Sacramento, a little teeny tiny town. Well, I live in Lodi, but I teach in Stockton. So um, I've only been doing it. This is my fourth year that got cut short and I start year five next year. Exciting. So for you, what is the best thing about Q's online format? Spring Q last year was my first Q ever. And I enjoyed it so much. I went to fall Q this last October where I met Lisa. Um, for me, the the face-to-face and the interactions and the hanging out after a session's done is, is really the coolest thing. Um, as Lisa knows, um, we got to talking about her new show. And so I got my kids doing it and we've actually shared and swapped a couple different ideas. So I, I missed that. However, the nice thing about the virtual queue is I don't know if anybody else has had this problem, but you know, you start looking at sessions and you're like, Oh, I like this one. And Oh, I like this one. And they're at the same time. And it's like, I can't be in two places at once. And this virtual queue spread out over two weeks instead of three days gives me a whole lot more opportunities to get everything in that I wanted to get in. Um, the first couple times Zoom was a little challenging to figure out when you've got two different windows going and not a really big screen. But I, I like it in the sense that you can still have the interaction, but yet you can get in all the sessions that you want. You know, uh, face-to-face and actually down in Palm Springs, you're only, you're only limited to about two, maybe three if you push it for a day. And, you know, here I've already done it. Well, I had three yesterday and three or four earlier this week. So I've already got seven in. That's great. Many, many more opportunities. A lot of people so it's, it's um, share that they're really enjoying being able to do the, the professional development on their own time and seeing all the different sessions, like you've said. So, um, again, I know we've already said it um, earlier, but shout out to Q for having such a quick turnaround and going from live face-to-face planning to virtual in less than a week. They did an amazing job. Um, So now normally you do, um, while you are in the classroom, Tim, um, you do support a lot of teachers in your district, correct? Yeah. Um, Have you been doing that uh, that last few weeks? And and how have you been doing that? What what has been your experience? Um, Actually, the last two weeks for for me, it's been absolutely nuts. so just a little kind of a background. Our district, um, last year and the year before, I was part of what they call was tech cadre. And so the um, instructional technology department had a group of teachers who, after hours and on weekends and stuff, we were responsible for like an area. So we would do PDs and, and trainings for a group of schools in our geographical area. And it was always a chore to get some teachers to come out and see how you could integrate technology into the curriculum. And what made it difficult is now that we've got this big coronavirus and we're switching to distance learning. And, you know, I'll use my site as an example. I've got teachers who don't even know how to put a link into a class, into the classroom for an assignment. And so this week's been, or last two weeks actually has been, really, really challenging. So me and Screencastify have a real intimate relationship the last couple of weeks. Um, 
Zoom has done really good. I did a, a training on Zoom with a couple of the teachers so they could see how it works and the, the you know, down the toolbar and the toggle buttons and what they do and so on and so forth. Um, same thing with Google Meet and Google Hangouts. I've got another one today, this afternoon, with a couple other teachers as to walk them through. I'm going to share my screen and show them, you know, because uh, Classroom had that big update where they've got rubrics now and all this other stuff. So it's it's been challenging to to get all of them. Um, they, they get when they see me coming down the hall, you know, hey, I've got PD today. It's like, oh yeah, uh huh, okay. And now all of them are beating down my door to get in because they don't know how we're going to do this. And it's like, okay, so it's it's been challenging. Um, I've also pushed out some of my teachers that with this quote-unquote downtime, um, you're not going to take up a whole day doing these lessons. So now is a good time to start doing these little um, PD sessions on their own and walk through how to do different things in docs or in slides and so on and so forth. And uh, one of my, well, she's not really a teacher, she's a school counselor. She texted me uh, today's what, Sunday, Thursday, I think. And it was like eight o'clock and she says, taking level one exam now. So I waited till about noon. I said, okay. And and she actually passed. So now we've got one level one besides myself. And uh, she's actually, I think she was taking level two this week. So I don't know about other teachers. It's just been, it's been really hard to distance teach teachers um, how to do all these things that they're going to have to then turn around and show kids how to do who aren't familiar with it. I love hearing the stories. Um that you're, you're sharing that teachers are, are taking ownership over the PD and learning the new things and just kind of jumping in. And I think that has, that's so powerful as opposed to, Hey, you have to do this or, Hey, this is, we have a training on this that you have to go to. And teachers are just really kind of stepping up and, mm-hmm. you know, looking for it um, and doing it. So that's super exciting. Well, thank you so much, Tim, for sharing um, your stories with us and being part of our 100th episode. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I was actually very stoked for this. So thank you. It was terrific. Thank you. Now we are going to be joined by fellow podcaster, Brian Briggs. Welcome, Brian. Thank you for helping us celebrate our 100th episode. So please tell us briefly who you are what you do, and most importantly, what is your favorite coffee drink? Okay, what I do. I am the Director of Innovation and Instructional Technology for the Plumas Lake Elementary School District. In a nutshell, I am in charge of the ed tech and IT for a elementary school district. That's K-8. Before that, I was a ed tech coordinator for one of those super districts in Sacramento. And prior to that, I was proud to be a kindergarten teacher. Oh, and I'm also a cue board member. and and uh and my coffee drink of choice it's coffee and it's black i'm kind of a snob on the brand and i go with pete's very good very good did i miss anything um no i think you got it all okay (laughs) so for you uh what is the best part about this online format that q is using this year uh i guess again is is that alternative reaching out to a community, even though that we can't go, it's, you know, finding the silver lining. Um, we weren't able to have the face-to-face and instead of just postponing or canceling altogether, let's let's make the light of something. So the virtual 
I really like because I did one session and we had 30 people in it. And again, these are people that I wouldn't meet uh, otherwise. And so just virtually, I thought it was great too. Again, it was that connection that we were able to make and the conversations are still going online, even though uh, it's virtual. I mean, it's still going online on Twitter and and that's the the direction it's going. Um, I also think with this online format and so many people trying their own formats in their own school districts, my my silver lining of the whole situation is I I hope this changes, does some sort of education reform in our current educational system. That would be nice. And a huge shout out to you, the rest of the board members and John and Pam for having such a quick turnaround and doing such an amazing job on uh, putting this into a virtual format. So good job, guys. Yeah, that was that was uh, a couple stressful days there going up. So uh, working on that before even our district was even in talk to shutting down. So the 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 working in overtime started way way earlier than before. But it's yeah, it has been a rewarding process. Well, I know we we all appreciate it um, because. I can't even begin to imagine how much work it is to take such a big conference and turn it into an online event. So thank you from all of us. Well, you're very welcome. <laughs> like I did, like I had a major hand in it. <laughs> right. Well, you know, to you in the board. Um, so when we asked people to uh, join us, we were thinking about recording live and we asked people what they wanted to talk about. And uh, you signed up and said you wanted to talk about our 100th episode. So please tell us how great we are. Yes, you guys are amazing. And I know, again, I know about having a hundred episodes. That is a huge milestone, um, especially for, you know, again, podcasting is a hobby. It, we're not we're not making millions. That's not really why we went into it is for the money. Um, I went in it too because I had the looks for radio. But my big question though is for you guys, like uh, 100 episodes, that's a huge, huge milestone, like I said, because you balancing your own life, work and scheduling, it's hard to get together. So what, is, what has been one of your guys' favorite podcasting moment from the last 100 episodes? I don't know if I can isolate one moment, but the variety of people that we've had on and the opportunity to meet and connect with so many teachers has been great. Um, did have a lot of fun recording live at Q. That was one of our, I think it was 2018, wasn't it? That it we did was, the live episode yeah. and determined that there really was no good coffee at Q because we asked everybody... <laughs> Where is your favorite place to get coffee? And everybody's like, I don't know. It's not. It wasn't Sherman's? Well, no. (laughs) So I think just meeting different people, I don't know if anything stands out in particular. Like later on tonight, you're going to go, oh, I should have answered that way. That's how I Right, and I'm going to go back because I'm editing this. I'm going to go record that and edit (laughs) it. (laughs) I know you guys had like a great amount of amazing guests. I'm so impressed with that. So kudos to you guys. That's awesome. What about you, you. Lisa? I think I'm kind of piggybacking on uh, what Nancy said. I love listening to everybody's ideas and what they're doing in the classroom And I get so many ideas. I want to try every single thing that everybody talks about and I have to learn to edit and I'm not very good at that. So yeah, I'm always inspired by our guests and what they're doing. I think that's for me, like the biggest thing. I'm like, 
I don't understand. Like this is, they're doing, people are doing such amazing things in their, in their classrooms. And I love that people are sharing it out. I, I know this community is great that they they love to share. Um, it's not, you know, it's not the teachers pay teachers. Hey, oh, you charge you for this or whatever, whatnot. But yeah, just so openly and gracious to share. So yeah, it is amazing community. So one of the other um, really great things about the podcast has been the collaboration with Lisa because <laughs> yes, she's making a little heart sign. Um <laughs> I met her at my very first Q conference, and after that, I did the Innovative Educator Program through Q, which I know has gone through a couple of iterations, and it doesn't exist anymore, but it was really great, and so we connected and later started this podcast. It's just been great because the collaboration has really led to something that I think is better than it would have been had either of us tried to do it on our own. I, I think uh, we could possibly talk to other board members. I think there's one, two windows over that way, right <laughs> over there. Maybe on we my can, screen, I'm above you. On Okay, up there. Um, maybe, maybe we can uh, bring back that Q Innovator uh, cohort type group in an online format. It would be a possibility. I heard about this it thing called Zoom. Online. It's pretty cool. Zoom, it was an online format before and it was in collaboration with uh, Fresno Pacific, I believe. So it was a whole thing. It was, it was really good. It, for me, it jumpstarted everything and I, it, it really got me into it. Like I was kind of into all of those things before, but it just put me in connection with so many great people like Nancy. <laughs> it was, who grounds it, me. <laughs> thank you. And it was really good. And that's actually where I met Ed, uh, Eddie Campos was in my cohort. Oh, wow. And so, um, yeah, really got to make good conne- a good connection with him that's gone on all this time. So I think I need to meet this Eddie person. <laughs> yeah. He's Doesn't he wear like kinda, fancy shoes? Yeah, he's kind of cool. Uh, and he likes the orange sauce. Oh, okay. <laughs> and he's got this Q-Tang thing. It's kind of like a Flavor Flav style necklace he wears every now and then. Flavor Flav. Yeah, that, that's good stuff. Uh, okay, I got one more question for you. What is your one podcast interview question that you like to ask people? Let's Besides see. coffee, Dang take it. that off the table. Um, the question that I always like to ask is, how can teachers do this thing in their classrooms? Because people come on and they're all excited. And my thing is, how can we make it easy for other people to do what you're talking about? Very nice. That application piece. Exactly. That's very good. So I hope we inspire people oh, that do. are listening and want to, and try to make it easy for them to adopt or implement whatever it is that we're talking about. And get their message out. I That's my favorite thing is, you know... It, you know, helping others, you know, who have, who are passionate about whatever they're doing, um, get their message out to other people and they're, they're inspiring. So hopefully, you know, we have a few listeners that, you know, are, are inspired. I don't, I don't know what our listening base is, but um, we made it a hundred. So yay. I, I'm going to share the one, the one question I like to ask, I'm going to ask both of you is um, what what did you do before education? And, and that could be your job in college, your job, you know, if, if education was the only thing you did. So uh, we'll start with Nancy. What did you do before you went into education? So before I went into education, I was a stay-at-home mom for several years. 
And before that, I did a lot of things. My background is in language, and I actually have a degree from the University of Geneva in translation and interpretation. Um, and I worked for different companies using my language spill, language skills or spills. <laughs> That's my <laughs> language skill. skills, including I worked for uh, the Bank of Italy. Oh, wow. Here in Los Angeles. Good stuff. And Lisa, what about you? I went to college and I was a hot mess. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I was a hot mess. Um, I pseudo ran away for a while from college. Um, I mean, everybody knew where I was. And um, I went through several majors in college, finally ending up on um, elementary education. So I went to school in Michigan, got my degree, actual degree in elementary education. And interesting story how I ended up on that major. And then I went, when I ran away, quote unquote, ran away, I went and worked and lived at the Grand Canyon for six months. Wow. Were you like a tour guide? No, I was um, housekeeping. So I cleaned rooms and yeah. I, it was fun. It was a really good experience. I'm really happy I was there. And I always like to see like those experiences and how it's like affected their like people's like work ethic or character as they went into education. Like I have a, a relative who is has been a superintendent um, before in the past. He was a bartender, and like I totally see those skills being a bartender being in those like charismatic leadership roles. So uh, I always find that question at, uh, fascinating to see. And Diane wanted to chime in on this too. Diane, what did you do before you got in the education in New Jersey? Uh, well, I got to always bring that up. Okay. So <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> I've never been. So, so when I was 11, I got a paper route. Uh, I was supposed to be 12 before I could get a paper route, but all of my older siblings had had paper routes. And so I wanted to get me some money. So I had paper out and I had a series of different paper routes. And then I worked as a page in the library when I was in eighth and ninth grade. And then I was a sandwich maker slash order taker slash waitress in a Italian restaurant that still has the best lasagna ever uh, during my like junior year of high school. And then uh, I worked in a law office during the summers during college, but I was always going to become a teacher and Part of it was one, the state of New Jersey was going to pay for me to go to college and, uh, and all my expenses and stuff. I just had to teach in New Jersey to kind of pay it back. Long story there, ended up having to pay some of it back. Oops, sorry about that. Oh, so, so I became a teacher right out of college. And part of that was, um, like I said, the state was going to pay for me to go to college because I didn't know how I was going to pay for it otherwise. And I was always really good at school. And it took me a long time of being a teacher to realize being really good at school is not a qualification for being a teacher <laughs> for I knew and I've talked about this where it's like, Oh, I became yeah. a teacher because I really wasn't great at school. I and I wanted to serve kids that were like me. Yeah. yeah. And, and the thing is um, it forced me to really like question a lot of things. And, and that's what enabled me to, I think, get better at, at doing what I do. But okay. yeah, I've done, I've done a lot of jobs, but only, only have one since, since 21, one, one major career. I have one more question for Diane that she's here and it'll maybe lead into her portion. Segway. If she's after mine, a good segue. Diane, uh, I know you're, you're an amazing singer. I've heard you and you've shared some of your videos <laughs> and on karaoke. And everything. What is one song that defines you? You know, a lot of that depends on my mood because what I sing and, and what I listen to a lot of times depends on mood and there's a song that probably none of you have heard of called Grand Canyon by Andy Gullihorn. I think Lisa worked there. 
Oh, you worked. Uh, I thought you lived in the Grand Canyon. <laughs> I did. Actually, I did, yes. And yeah. worked there. So you, you, you should listen both. to the song, Lisa, because you'll like it. Um, my my friend at school hooked me up with this musician. Um, he's he's a Christian artist, but not like extra Christian-y. So like anybody could really enjoy this stuff. It's not super Jesus-y. Um, in fact, most of the time you don't, he's either not singing about Jesus or you don't realize he is until like later. And then you're like, oh, I think that might've been about Jesus. Uh, but it, he talks about struggle a lot and, and different things like that. And this song is just really beautiful. Most of his songs are guitar primarily. This one happens to be piano, um, but it's a really, really good song. And it, it, it's um, applicable to lots of different situations people might find themselves in. The, the idea behind it is the story isn't over yet. It's so powerful. It's really good. We'll put the link in the show notes to the lyrics and to the music if we can find them. I guess that's my time. That was your time. So thank you for being on, Brian. It was great. Thank you. And again, congratulations to episode 100. 100, 100, 100. (laughs) Right. That's our intro right there. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. All right. I'll see you guys later. Have fun. And now we have John Miller in the house. Thank you for helping us to celebrate our 100th episode. So John, tell us um, briefly who you are, what you do, and your favorite coffee drink. Hi there. Uh, I am a seventh grade world history teacher, and I teach in the same district as Lisa does. And I'm, uh, I'm really into games. So I've been developing games for classroom instruction for a long time time and my uh gosh my favorite coffee drink is probably a flat white that is a very good drink it it is very delicious what is the best part for you about the online format for the spring q conference this year uh clearly the flexibility of being able to pop in uh kind of on my own time especially with the the videos being recorded and being able to watch those uh there was no way i'd be able to ever be able to see that many sessions as I am right now and looking forward to uh, diving in deeper, even more. Thank you. And you talk about um, incorporating games into your learning environment um, and you've done that in your classroom. So can you talk a little bit about more about that, like how you've done it in the classroom and how you're planning on possibly transitioning that into um, the, the digital format that we're using now? Sure. Uh, I've, as some folks will know I started out more with the digital games and things like Minecraft and uh, explored uh, explored using that in my history class, but then also quickly discovered that it was a great tool to use to get kids to, to write and to support literacy instruction. Um, and uh, it, it, it continues to be part of my, uh, my life, my teaching life, but uh, it's, it's also difficult, I think, for a lot of teachers, including myself, to think of other games, digital games, to bring into the classroom. There's a lot of hurdles to jump, uh, whether it's uh, that doesn't run on a Chromebook, or if you've got laptops, it's not updated to the current Windows 10. Most school laptops aren't gaming laptops. Uh, The licensing nightmare of trying to get uh, popular games or, or the more modern games on computers, they're their models just isn't really addressing the education folks. So uh, I've, I've also kind of shifted a little pivot to more of the, the board games or tabletop games because it could be card games too. Uh, and that has uh, kind of opened up a lot for me and uh, my thinking and the, my direction that I'm taking 
I was able to to have like a, I get an elective class, so mine was game design, and working with um, students to play games and identify the the cool mechanics that they like, and the mechanics are what makes the game run. Uh, and what makes it fun. And games today, board games today, tabletop games today are not like the games we played. Uh, they're a lot deeper. Uh, they're a lot more complex. And there's a, a lot more you can do with them. And so working with my students in the, the game design class and being able to see what they liked and how they incorporated games into the, the games that they were, or mechanics into the games that they were making was uh, uh, kind of life-changing because... Uh, now my lessons are, I embed my lessons with these mechanics and I, I take a lot of games and modify them uh, and create my own versions for the, the class. Fun. And are you planning on doing anything like that with um, the, the remote instruction uh, plan that you're, that we're forced into at this point? I am uh, thinking about how I can transition into that because I've, I, I kind of moved away from the digital and more of the, the tactile games. And now how can I take what we've done and what I've already hoped to use with my students for the rest of school year? And how can I put that into more of the a digital format? And so that's something that I'm, I'm certainly exploring. Um, I can give you an example of uh, of games. Here's a, a few of them, and one is uh, Pandemic. And uh, Pandemic is a, a a popular game, and it's been a popular game for a long time. But gosh, is it relevant today? There was just a uh, an op-ed piece in the New York Times uh, written by the the creator of this game, and what is fascinating about this game is it's a collaborative game. So you cannot win this game unless you work as a team everybody gets a role to play and it's all of us together against the virus like it should be right uh you the virus you get a turn uh with your uh, partners in the game and you discuss what it is you want to do and how you're going to try to defeat the the virus and there's four of them in pandemic and you implement your plan. You've got medics, you've got researchers, you've got scientists, uh, you've got logistics experts, and you all have to uh, plan out this attack of, against the virus. Uh, but what's amazing is you can plan what you want and you implement it, and then your turn is over and the viruses get a turn. And so the board game and the situation changes immediately and you have to rethink everything. So the only way to win this game is if truly everybody works together uh, and it produces a lot of conversation afterwards. Cause even if you lose, which you probably will the first few times you play it, it generates this conversation about what did we do wrong? We should have done this. We should have done that. So I, I use that model, uh, that collaborative model in the games with my students. If we're going to, uh, uh, put them in groups and have them play roles. Why don't we play actual roles instead of just you're the scribe and you're going to be the speaker. Uh, let's research uh, uh, topical uh, occupations, roles that they could play based on the history content or the language arts content. Uh, so there's pandemic. And another fun one that we're exploring recently is this new game called horrified and horrified is uh, similar, it's a collaborative game, but you're you're playing against the Universal Studios monsters. Uh, 
So there's Frankenstein, there's Dracula, there's the mummy, there's the creature from the Black Lagoon, the werewolf, the bride of Frankenstein. And every game you pick two and they have abilities and roles that they play and goals that they have. And your job is to run through this community to uh, save individuals and complete a quest. So you are role-playing, but it's more of a quest-based game. And that is a, a, a fabulous addition for my class because, and I, I'm thinking this would be good for storytelling as kids are moving through a, a, a story. The game board is a story, but it's protagonist against an antagonist. And the kids are developing their own story, their own version of it as they're moving through the game. And then a big one is Ticket to Ride. I love Ticket to Ride is a fun family game. It's, everybody needs to have this. There's 16 different versions of it. It's a simple game to, to learn, teaches some geography, but I think it's much has potential to be much deeper because this game doesn't have to just take place on railroad tracks in the United States. It could take place in outer space. It could take place anywhere in the world uh, or, or just a community for the little guys. And you're traveling from point to point, you're learning about them, and you're putting a story together, and you're making roots, you're making connections. So um, those are three examples of, of what I use with my students. And it's, uh, it's an exciting time uh, to be a teacher and to be involved with, this, this, with games and how to implement games in the classroom. And I encourage everybody while we're, we're all at home, get out the games. And think about how that could apply or those mechanics could apply in the classroom or how you could modify that game to fit the needs of your students and make a version of it for your class. Thank you. I love that. I love the idea of games in the classroom. Um, so thank you so much for joining us on our 100th episode. What? Yay. Thank you. All right. Thanks, John. Well, you've heard her earlier on this episode, but here is our official chance to welcome Diane Maine. All right. Thank you for helping us, Diane, to celebrate our 100th episode. Whoop, whoop. So please tell us briefly who you are, what you do, and your what your favorite coffee drink is. Okay. I am Diane Maine. And I'm in the San Jose area, where I am Director of Learning, Innovation, and Design for the Upper School Campus at the Harker School, which is a private independent school. Um, for the first um, seven and maybe seven and a quarter years of my job there, um, I mean, my job has always been to support my teachers and to help them, not just, it's not tech, it's, it's everything, right? Um, and for the first seven and a quarter years of my job there, maybe seven and a half years, um, it's been trying to convince them that there are other ways they can do things. And then the last two and a half weeks has been people going, oh, I get it now. I know what you do. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, yeah, you know, I got a master's degree in this right here. This thing that we're doing, this is, this is my master's degree. And then they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> so mostly I um, help people figure out how they're going to do their jobs well, even when the world is on fire and we're trying to do remote learning and all kinds of stuff. Um, oh, and my favorite coffee drink is that I actually, sorry, Nancy, I don't really like coffee. Um, but lately, I've been drinking coffee mixed with a lot of French vanilla cappuccino at work. Uh, but if I have my choice, it's a chai tea latte. What is the best part for you about the online format Q is using this year? I feel like the best thing is that um, 
you know, a lot of people, well, one of the things too, is like, I kind of had to step back from it because not only am I too busy, it's just like emotionally too hard for me to try to participate in something that isn't any of what I go there for, right? It, it's like kind of hard. Um, and so that's like a type of self-care too, I guess, but it's hard for me to forgive myself and give myself that permission that it's not something I can participate in at this time. And uh, the good thing about it though, going virtual is that it fills a void for a lot of people who were planning to, to go to something or who were looking forward to learning. And not only are they going to be learning a ton during the, you know, during this whole experience, but it's supporting the, all the new cra crazy, scary stuff that, you know, they're having to um, take on, you know, not only are they getting the knowledge, but they're experiencing it through the same format that, that many of their students are going to be doing. Right. Um, and so it's a good way to kind of jump in with both feet at the deep end of like, okay, this is what learning online is like. So, I mean, it doesn't surprise me because John and Pam are both just really amazing at um, saying, oh, okay, so this is the situation. Let's come up with a new plan now for addressing it. But for a lot of people, it's exactly what they need at exactly the right time. Thank you, Diane. So you have been inviting some to join you for quarantine karaoke. Um, so I have a couple questions on that one. So how did you decide on that? And how did you have stated that that is self-care? So can you go ahead and explain all of that for you, for us? Yeah. So as I mentioned, it's, it's actually shelter in place karaoke, um, but which, which is fine. I, I refer to it as quarantine, lockdown, all kinds of stuff, but the name of it is shelter in place karaoke. And so the day that I started, it was the Wednesday of our first week in shelter in place slash remote learning. And that was the, was that the day I was supposed to fly to Kew? I think that was the day I was supposed to fly to Palm Springs. So that was the second of my three trips for this month that was not going to be happening. Um, and Kew for me, as I said, is, is very much about the face-to-face. -face. And it's really hard to not be able to, to go there and see the people that sometimes I only see once a year. And so um, I'm very much an extrovert. And in that sense, like of getting my energy from other people. For me, it's draining to not be around people. It's hard for me. And that's why I love my job because it puts me in contact with like 100 teachers, 800 kids, like on a regular basis. So day three of, of remote learning and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> First of all, going to work to do my job despite nobody being there has been helpful because I need the routine and I need the structure because I, I have a number of things that are going on with me, um, PTSD, which has more or less led to me having fibromyalgia, so I have to stay physically active, and also some anxiety issues, probably connected to the PTSD. So routine helps me, and then also the exercise helps me with the fibromyalgia. So I, I kind of had to force myself uh, to stick to my routine, and I was like, 6.30, the alarm goes off, I get up, I shower, I get dressed, I walk to work. The only difference is I'm not driving my son to the train station anymore. And I would get to work, and I'm not a morning person, so I would fill up my water bottle, go get that coffee cappuccino mixture from the teacher's room. Then I'm like in my office and I'm like, I don't, I don't want to work. I don't want to be here. Or like, I'm just like, I'm supposed to be on a plane to Palm Springs today. And so I was like, you know what? I'm not going to get to do karaoke, you know, the coach cue thing that they, that they do. So I'm going to just, I'm just going to do karaoke. I'm going to sing a couple of songs and be silly. So I did one and then I realized, oh, I have a better setup I can set up. And so I, I changed some things and I did a couple sound checks. And then I was like, people were like, oh, are you going to do this every day? And I was like, oh, that would actually get me inspired to come to work every day. 
um, because I love my job and I love what I do. It's just, this has been extra challenging. Um, I still have my zoom meeting open the whole time on another laptop and uh, you know, people can pop in and I do get people coming in, not usually during karaoke, but um, I feel like if I'm going to help people and if I'm going to support people, both students and teachers going through this and trying to stick to the routines and trying to do all this stuff, I have to model it, you know, even when I don't feel like it. So um, doing the shelter in place karaoke has been fun because I've had a number of friends and family members in England who've joined in in Scotland and uh, lots of people in New Jersey. And I'm seeing people pop up that I haven't seen in decades, right? But they are on my Facebook. So, uh, and my sister usually is like, invite me, invite me. I can't figure out how to join it. So um, she's in Florida. So it's just a real fun way to connect with people. And I'm actually interacting with some folks that I don't get to interact with very much. Um, synchronously, even though I can't see them, they're seeing me and I'm just being me. And I'm like being goofy and realizing I didn't prepare or, you know, my throat sounds a little scratchy or like, oh, the blower came on and I'm wondering if that messes with the sound. Like I'm just being me in my office. Um, and it helps me to feel normal because uh, nothing else is normal right now. And so it's just a thing that I accidentally discovered works for me. Um, and then the, the, I thought, okay, maybe a few people will watch and then we'll have a funny time and, you know, it, whatever, right? It'll be fun. I was doing it for me. And then people started telling me that, you know, they're getting up in the morning so that they can watch it with, you know, be live with me or um, because they enjoy the comment banter that goes on. Like John Carippo has been relentlessly requesting Copacabana for two days after I actually did Copacabana and he was there for it. He's just going to keep requesting it. <laughs> One day, apparently he brought his computer into the bathroom and had um, shelter in place karaoke playing while he was showering. I don't know if it's true. I have no actual evidence, but he was commenting like I'm naked and people were like, whoa. And I'm like, no, it's fine. It's fine. John is probably just kidding but even if he isn't you can't see him you know it's fine <laughs> it was just like a whole goofy thing you know um and and it just ended up being a lot of what i'm missing right by not having those interactions with people face to face being silly joking around being goofy um and then like i put i put a post up on facebook saying like for requests and i've been able to do a bunch of those songs i learn a lot about the music people like um I make mistakes. I restart songs. I, you know, it's just, just being goofy and silly. And then by, by about nine, I'm like, all right, I got to really work. So, you know, then I, then I, then I like, you know, switch off Facebook and, and, you know, that by then I'm feeling good about being there. And then I feel energized to, to start my day. And I, I've spent time with people, right. Which I don't get to do right now. So I've spent time with people and then I can do what I do. So that's, it was just, you know, accidentally discovering a lot of things about what I needed um, to be able to do what I do. This week is spring break, so it's going to be tricky. I'm going to, I'm still going to do shelter in place karaoke, but try doing it from home. Um, and we'll see how it goes because my son will be actually attending classes while I'm doing it. So <laughs> I'm going to be in our bedroom hoping that the Wi-Fi is good enough or I may go out to Target later and get a, get a, um, what are those things like a Wi-Fi booster extender thing. Yeah. Yeah. So my husband has some target gift cards. So I might be like, and he was like, we need, we need better Wi-Fi in the room. I, it's working right now, but I, I did, it did crap out before and I had to restart and rejoin the meeting. But so that's, well, that's how that came that about. I love that you found accidental or not something that 
helps you kind of go through this. I, I have a friend of mine uh, who's also an extreme extrovert. And by day three, she was crawling out of her skin. She just, she was having a really difficult time with it as well. Um, oddly, me being the extreme introvert, I'm like, no, this is my happy place. <laughs> um, well, yeah. And, but I think even introverts, um, some people have been saying to me, like, I still need people. I just need them not to be in my space when I need them not to be in my space. Right. And so right. at some point, each person reaches their limit of like, I feel too isolated. Like it's one thing to feel like nobody's invading my space. It's another thing to feel like I can't go do the things that do help me from time to time or that put me in contact with the people I like to be around. Yeah. Um, and, and, you and know, so- I've also noticed that, you know, um, myself and, and my friend who's the extrovert, we're reaching out to people and talking to them and communicating with people that we don't normally communicate with, mm-hmm. not for any other reason than, you know, life is, is busy. Um, so yeah, I love that you're, you're finding, you know, things that help to make your life, you know, have that normalcy in it. So thank you. Right. And I think one of the things that, one of the things that people are going to be forced to do during this challenging time is really kind of introspect and think about, what makes things difficult for them? So like I'm aware enough of a lot of my anxiety issues are tied to um, like abandonment and confinement, right? Like this idea of being abandoned or being locked out or locked in, which is like weird because how can you be afraid of both, right? Um, but just not having control over your own um, your own situation, right? And I mean, at first, like the first week of shelter in place, I was like, welcome to my world, everyone, because I feel crazy all the time, right? Like I feel like there's there's just this low level of constant simmering anxiety all the time for me. And then I'm like, oh, everyone in the world for a little while understands what that's like. But then after the first week, I didn't feel so much like welcome to my world. I was more like, oh, there are more things to be afraid of. <laughs> that sucks, right? Like, like reality set in and I was like, oh, now they've closed my Starbucks. So crap, you know, like I have nothing. Understanding that those those root causes of, of what gets me anxious are sort of even more, you know, triggered at this time, I kind of had to address those directly. And I and I stumbled upon it, like I said, but the the feeling alone and feeling confined, um, that doesn't I don't feel that way when I'm seeing the comments fly by or when I know that people are hearing what I'm saying when I'm talking to them or goofing off or singing. Um, And that enables me to be connected to people, even though I can't be with them. All right. So thank you so much for um, sharing and hanging out with us and chatting. We appreciate it. Welcome, Jen Roberts. Uh, Welcome, Jen Roberts. And thank you for helping us celebrate our 100th episode. We are Woo, we're so excited to have you. Um, please tell us who you are, what you do, and uh, what your favorite coffee drink is. <laughs> of course you would ask me that. Nancy, you know I don't drink coffee. It's um, okay. Tell us what your favorite non-coffee drink is. Well, I am really missing my Starbucks chai tea latte right now because um, I haven't been in weeks. Uh, my name is Jen Roberts. I teach ninth grade English at Point Loma High in San Diego. I'm also the co-author of a book called Power Up, Making the Shift to -to One-to-One Teaching and Learning, which is enjoying some renewed popularity this week, which is nice. Uh, I blog at littentech.com, and I tend to tweet sometimes more than others at uh, Jen Roberts One. Are you at school? Yeah, doesn't it look like I'm at school? That's just a picture. 
I got to go in on Friday and the first thing I did was take a picture of where I usually sit at school to freak my kids out that I'm at school. Now this one, I actually ran through a Prisma filter so it's all curly cues and you can't recognize like any of the email addresses or anything. So for my kids, I'll use the real one, but for you guys, I use the curly cue one. And I tweeted this picture the other day and said, hey teachers, if you get to go to your classroom, take a picture of where you teach and then use that as your virtual background. And that tweet has like 400 plus likes since the day before yesterday, so. Thank you. What is the best part for you about this online format that Q is using this year? Um, the best part for me is that I'll be able to go back and watch a lot of it later <laughs> uh, because uh, the last two weeks have been sort of inundated with questions from my colleagues and questions from my students and trying to keep a little bit of school going online for my kids and Zoom meetings with my um, with my district and PD with my district. And so by the time I get to the afternoon, evening, I am done with screen time and I don't want to watch another Zoom call. So I am really looking forward to being able to go back through the Q event guide later and pick out the sessions that are um, most useful to me then and, and be able to watch those uh, on my own time. So I'm, I'm happy they're recording so much of it because that'll make it really easy later to go find what I need. How are you planning for online teaching? Carefully. Um, my district is doing a slow rollout. Technically, we're on spring break right now. So April 6th, we're supposed to have sort of a soft opening to online teaching. And then um, they say that April 27th, teachers will start grading stuff again. So I'm kind of wondering what that all means, and trying to figure out what's right for my students. We've been off school for the last two weeks, of course, and I've posted something daily on my class blog just a little thing for my students to do, something they're already familiar with, things that usually take them five or 10 minutes in the classroom, not a lot, just a little bit to sort of see who would be engaged. Um, April 6th, I'll have to pick that up a little bit more, a little more like, okay, who's really with me, who's not? Need to start to identify which students are not getting online, who are not engaging with the material, uh, so that I can follow up with those families and say, hey, how can I help you, what do you need? I know my district will send out a survey and they'll work out a situation to get devices to all the kids who need them and things like that. Um, but we're doing that soft, slow rollout. And I'll probably pick up again April 6th with, again, sort of small little check-in things, a Google form to fill out, tell me how you're doing, what you need, um, activities they already know. I really want to keep it simple. I want to keep it to uh, tools and processes they're already familiar with, especially from April 6th through April 27th. So we already used my class blog in the classroom. They know to go there for instruction. They're familiar with Google Classroom. Um, pretty much everything I'll ask them to do in the next few weeks is things they're already aware of and already feel comfortable with um, so that I can focus on supporting the students who really you know, need help getting online. And from April 27th to the end of the year is really only five or six weeks of school that would often be taken up with testing and end of the year activities and things like that. So I'm kind of thinking of taking a very standards-based approach. Um, instead of doing the unit I would have done um, or the units I would have done, I'm looking at going through the Common Core Standards, the California Standards, and picking out the five or six things I know my students really need to get better at before next year and just teaching and assessing for just those standards. If that means we don't have a great overarching theme, if that means we don't have you know beautiful essential questions, if that means that it doesn't all hang together, I'm okay with that as long as my students are getting what I know they really need. 
And to that end, I'm even thinking of uh, designing it so that it's sort of a submit your own evidence approach of like, these are the standards we know we need to meet. Here is instructional resources that will help you meet each of those standards, whether those be videos from me or from outside sources, because you don't always have to reinvent the wheel. Um, and then letting them go to the Google form, say, this is the standard I'm submitting evidence for. Here's my evidence. Here's why I think it meets the standard. And if I can write back to that student and say, great, you have met that reading standard, we are good, you know, go work on something else, um, that's wonderful. Because I certainly have kids who are already meeting all the major standards um, that uh, I would want them to be meeting. And then I want to be able to spend my time and energy reaching out to the kids who need more support. So simple. Uh, as of the wonderful Marissa Thompson, uh, have you guys ever had her on your show? She's wonderful. Uh, she pointed uh out. No, we should we should get her. Your recommendation is uh, very valuable. <laughs> uh, she pointed out at the Kate conference that the uh, the standards don't say anywhere that kids have to take tests or quizzes or homework, and so really it's just about reaching proficiency, showing that you can meet the standard, making sure that you have that skill moving forward into tenth grade, uh, and that you're reading a lot. So if I can get my kids to do all those things, I will be super happy. Well, I love that. And I think it's been a discussion at my school about how we are going to assess students. Mm -hmm. So I really like your idea of the Google form and say, here's the standard. Please show me how you met it. Um, mm -hmm. so you kind of answered the other question, one of the other questions we were going to ask, which is, <laughs> what will that look like for your students? So basically, you're giving them things that they are already comfortable with and that they already know and asking them to demonstrate their learning. Sure. And I'm comfortable even with them turning in work that they've turned in before. So if I say, prove you've met this narrative writing standard and they give me their memoir from the fall, um, I can say, yep, you're right. You've met that standard. Good. Now show me you've met this uh, nonfiction writing standard, this informational writing standard. And they can either use a piece they've written before or write something new and I'll give them fresh prompts to address that, things like that. But um, my goal is to keep it simple for myself, my student teacher, my co-teacher. I got a lot of people I'm working with. I don't have room for a lot of moving parts. I don't have room for a lot of different tools. Um, and I'll keep putting out little things of like, here, listen to this podcast or here, you know, respond to this Flipgrid. I'll keep putting those little daily bits out there because I know there are kids and parents who want a daily bit. But, um, but really what it's going to take to qualify for a passing grade is, is showing me you've met the expectations of the standards. I love that. So um, what advice do you have for other teachers who are moving to an online lesson delivery and online teaching method? Keep it simple. Uh, you know, don't overwhelm yourself or your students with new tools. Uh, at least initially keep it, you know, only ask your students to do things you already know they know how to do. Um, just because there's a new learning curve with the technology if they're not used to using technology. So keep the content simple while you introduce the technology and then when they're comfortable with the technology you can introduce new content. Um, I put up a single blog post on my computer on my on my class website, single blog post that was just a, a slide deck. And each day I added a new slide with a new activity to do. So all I had to do each day was make a new slide. Um, and all the kids had to do was go to that same post and look at that slide and do the thing on it that it asked them to do, which was usually something pretty easy. And I could, you know, put a link on there to a form I wanted them to fill out or um, instructions about the prompt I wanted them to answer in their English journal, Google Doc. Uh, so that they kept going. That one Google Doc all year trick uh, has come in very, very handy 
Um, I think you all think of it as like one Google Doc until the end of the year <laughs> uh, where you just put all your work and then I as your teacher can go there and look at it. Uh, might make life easier for some kids. So. Oh, that's great. Okay, well, thank you so much. Um, any closing thoughts? Hang in there, everyone. <laughs> Yeah, we need that. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for being a guest on our 100th episode. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> and um, we'll see you soon. All right. Take care, ladies. Thanks. Bye. Bye. And last, but definitely not least, John Carippo. Welcome, John Carippo. We're so happy to have you here. And thank you for helping us celebrate our 100th episode. Tell us briefly who you are, what you do, and what your favorite coffee drink is. I'm an educator. I happen to work at Q right now because I'm not in the classroom. But my classroom is now 27,000 educators. See how I did that? Um, and uh, I'm the chief learning officer for Q. I love helping teachers be better at their craft and work less and be more effective through a gentle blend of pedagogy and ed tech, because you guys both know this, right? Neither one is going to get you there. If you if you are just using good pedagogy right now, you're working too hard with a lot of four by six cards and science boards and all that stuff. And if you're just ed tech, you're not going to have the the learning skills that kids need to be able to actually grasp the stuff. So there's a little background on me. My favorite coffee drink. It'll be interesting to know if, if you know this one or not, um, Nancy. It's a Breve Latte. Ah, yes, I do, because I lived in Italy for a while, so I know all the variations. Yeah, so, so a Breve Latte is, um, it's a regular latte, but with half and half instead of milk, so it's a little richer experience. And it is delicious. So what is the best part about going online for Q this year? Um, for me, my favorite part is the fact that we're, we're really emphasizing streaming the sessions um, to Facebook Live. Uh, that first weekend, we had something like 13,000 views. So uh, we're reaching a much broader audience than we ever would have. And trust me, the Q staff, I mean, one of the things, one of the highlights of working really hard at Q is being able to go to Palm Springs, all expenses paid as part of your job to hang out with teachers. Like it, that's the highlight of the year. So we have that same sense of mourning. I mean, our, our team kind of went through about five days of you know, it was almost like uh, losing a family member. We had to go through de denial, depression, anger, frustration. We were going through all those steps. And then at one point you go, and I, I just, th this is the easiest way I could explain it. Like we are not going to have a smoking hole where the learning that Spring Q represents would have been, right? We're not going to have a vacuum where that learning would have been. And I'm going to give Bill Selick a shout out right now because we were talking on the Q ComCom uh, -com, and he's like, John, the COVID thing's a tragedy, but guess what? No spring queue and the impact that'll have on thousands of teachers and classrooms is also a tragedy. And there's something neat about that chat bit that's um, really empowered a lot of people to participate. Lisa and I facilitated a session, Lisa's session, um, and we could see all the, the great questions that were coming in. I mm -hmm. think the virtual format allows for a lot more audience participation Yep. And I really enjoyed that, seeing everybody being able to ask their questions because I felt like we were able to better meet their needs. Yeah, yeah. And then it also really emphasizes the sharing of your slides piece, right? And I think more and more more people are grabbing the slides than ever before um, because uh, that that piece is kind of that, that what I like to call breadcrumb to how, how do I, I've seen the idea, how do I do the thing? 
Absolutely. The reason we wanted to have you on, uh, I've heard you do a little thing called Edu Protocols. And I was wondering how did Oh, a those... little thing. Yeah, just a little thing. Um, how does that fit in with distance learning? Uh, I think uh, magnificently because the whole concept of, of protocols, like probably the key thing that changes in a distance learning model is how long will the kids let me talk to them? right? Because when you've got them trapped in your classroom, you can make them look at you. That is not going to happen in a Zoom session, right? And I was thinking about this as a side note. Um, If a kid decides to do something that would get them in trouble, finger quotes up at school, how are you going to bench them right now? Good luck with that. That nexus of what makes protocols great is that the first thing is direct instruction time is largely diminished. It's still there, okay? It's just diminished. Second thing is it's activities-based, so kids are doing things. And then the third thing is that we're doing roughly the same thing over over and over with iterations. So my need to explain the topic goes down. And fourth thing thing is that um, kids can still work collaboratively in an edu protocol online, right? So the quizzes thing now becomes a homework game where kids call into our Zoom and play. A cyber sandwich could be with a classmate or your mom or dad, or you could use your dog as an imaginary partner. You can still send them an article and say, let's do a cyber sandwich. So a lot of the activities still hold, even if you're not face-to-face. Well, I love that. And I love the idea of bringing in the family member to participate because I think that a lot of parents are struggling with the home learning, aside from the fact that they might be trying to do their own job while they're trying to assist their child. um, I think it, it's empowering to parents because it gives them a way to participate in their child's learning and the confidence to know they're doing the right thing. Right. Well, like here's an example. I know we're all friends with coach Ben, right? But if you look at what he's doing with seesaw, now what happens is if you're sending seesaws to parents to do with their kids, there's a very clear structure that kids can watch. Those things are all totally set up. And then for things like math reps, I've seen teachers, If you, I want to get your comments on this. I've had a couple of teachers ask on Facebook, not me, but just groups. Hey, is Cami a good way to capture kids' math work? And I'm like, oh my God, I can't think of a worse possible idea than Cami. Why don't you just give them a Google drawing of a math rep, right? Yeah. Like, why don't you just let them print one out and use a pen and take a picture, the training curve to get kids to use Cami correctly. And then how are you going to collect all those? Oh no, 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 no. So for me, it's like, yeah, just print out a math rep and mommy and me can do it together. And one of the things I love about math reps, Lisa, is they make sense to adults too, right? So there's no like new math involved. It just is what it is. And if they don't get if they don't get what an area model is, you can send them a link to a FET. There's a FET activity of area model where they, they can learn together. So we've been talking for decades about parent-student involvement. Imagine moms and dads playing Latin roots quizzes with kids. Imagine moms and dads doing gym kit with kids. Imagine mom and dad, you know, um, looking at a Newzella article and being half of the cyber sandwich with their own kid. 
that is not a high load on mom and dad. They're just being there in the moment, right? So they're, they're not having to work kids through a spreadsheet. I mean, a worksheet and the kids laying on the ground going, oh my God, only 20 pages in this packet to go. That, that is all out the window. You're just giving them these little bite-sized chunks that are super fun. How about watch three TV commercials and find something that's ironic? Come on, that's fun. That's not, that's not hard. So I think the opportunity there is awesome. That's wonderful. And the TV commercials, they're in, you're incorporating what they're, they may already be doing. Yeah, it's an organic family activity already. You're just adding an academic um, ring to it, if you will, right? Let's watch five flow commercials and see if we can identify irony in three of them. Dude, that's a party. I would love to talk to you more, but I think our time is up. So thank you so much for being our guest on the program, our 100th episode. We're so excited. And you guys are super welcome. I was glad to join. 100 of anything is pretty cool, right? So like uh, 100 trips from Lisa's Plumber would be just incredible. So 100 <laughs> podcasts. Oh my God. So I want to congratulate you guys. And I want to, for your listeners who might be encouraged to do the same kind of thing, because this is not a zero sum game, right? More people can play this game that you guys mm-hmm. are doing. And uh, I said this in a group yesterday. I think that what you guys are doing with this and, and like the math reps book that's coming out and things like that, this is teachers taking their industry back, right? If you go back 25, 30 years, you could only buy beer from about five companies. And now how many beers are there, right? That was, that was custom brewing of beer, taking that back, making the brews that Coors and Bud and Michelob would never make, right? And then doing wacky fun graphics and having cool little weird places to hang out and drink and meet your friends, right? So I think that all these the things like podcasting and 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 book publishing is teachers taking back their craft. So bravo to you guys for being early starters in that process. Well, thank you. And what a way to end our 100th episode. We're so pleased to have you on. And I know we'll talk again soon. I look forward to the next face-to-face Q event whenever that's going to happen, you know that Lisa and I will be there. Yes. Yeah. And my answer right now is as soon as possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Okay, guys. Thank you. Okay. I wanna, I'll let you get going. I I'm, I'm much appreciate the invite and congrats, congrats, congrats. Thank you so much for listening to our 100th episode. So exciting. And today's comment question is, how is your school addressing distance learning? And please don't forget to subscribe to hear more about easy ways for you to innovate in your classroom. If you like the show, please help others by finding us and rating us uh, wherever you listen to this podcast. Please remember that we are always looking for guests to share the great things that they are doing in their classrooms. So if you know someone who fits this bill, or if you'd like to be a guest, please visit TLC Ninja or TLC.ninja, excuse me, and complete the contact form to let us know. Thanks, and we will see you in two weeks for episode 101, and we'll be back to our regular 15-minute format. Oh, and you might want to stick around to hear some bloopers. My, my, my teaching credential refreshes every April 1st. Think about that for a second. <laughs> April Fool Teacher, that should be one of my hashtags. 100! Thank you. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Did you have those ads here for the racing? Yeah, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Nigel Bernie, 20 cars. I'm not a good influence. Who put me in charge of children? <laughs> Lisa has a fur ball. We'll just be a moment as we take care of that. I'm ready. Ready? Ready. All right.
Oh, good Lord. My desktop is such a, it's never been a mess ever in my entire life until these past two weeks. 100. I'm sorry. I was posting on the bread porn. I, I think the cats invented the internet. Episode 100. Woo! <laughs> 100, 100, 100.